Drew Timmy, the man who perfectly embodies Gonzaga basketball and college life, is officially calling it a career after this season. We discuss his legacy and wish him well on today's episode of Locked on Zag. You are Locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Well, today, the big story for the Gonzaga basketball program, Drew Timmy, in an interview with Seth Davis at The Athletic, confirmed what we had suspected here on Locked on Zags, what many others had also suspected as well. Drew Timmy is currently playing his final year of college basketball. He is not planning to return for his fifth year of eligibility uh, that he earned because of the COVID-19 season. And this is it's a sad day. I mean, it's a sad day. I don't know how, how all of you are feeling. I wasn't surprised by the news, and I'm not... And I'm happy that he made the announcement when he did. I think that we've seen so often in the past, uh, most mostly last couple of years, really, the kind of uncertainty on senior night where we don't know if we should be celebrating the right people. And this goes back a long time. I mean, I remember distinctly my senior night was 2013 and we celebrated Elias Harris because he was in his fourth year, final year, senior year. We celebrated Mike Hart, fourth year, final year, senior year. And we celebrated Kelly Olynyk because we thought that he was going to go to the NBA after that year. He did have another year of eligibility, having had his uh, his redshirt season. But it's kind of nice to not have the mystery. There's going to be plenty of mystery on Wednesday against Chicago State. Anton Watson will be celebrated as a senior. He could come back. We know Rasir Bolton's not going to come back. Malachi Smith, I suspect, will be celebrated, but he could also come back as well. So it's just because of the COVID year, because of the eligibility rules changing a little bit, it's a little bit more complicated. But Drew uh, Drew basically said, I want my party. I want you all to celebrate me, and I'm going to make it clear that this is it. I'm done. I'm going to you know, try to break Frank Burgess's all-time scoring record. I'm going to lead this team as far as we can go in the NCAA tournament, hopefully back to the spot that he's been in his career in the national championship game. And then he's done. And what I love about Drew and what I want to talk about, there are so many different angles we could have gone with this podcast. And we'll have plenty of conversation about some of this stuff. But I want to talk first about kind of what I said at the onset. Drew Timmy embodies Gonzaga basketball. He is Gonzaga basketball. His story is the story of Gonzaga basketball in so many ways. But Drew also embodies college. And I think losing Drew, I think we feel that more because of how much he reminds us of college. This is more personal for me. So maybe some of you don't relate to this uh, and I understand that, but Jay Billis kind of mentioned it when he did his 94 feet with Drew Timmy during tent city, he kind of said, Oh, Drew's just such a college guy. I don't remember his exact phrasing, but he basically said like Drew is college. And then Drew in his comments to Seth Davis basically said like, I want to have the college experience. I want this to be, to feel like college four years, you graduate. That's what college is. And I think that there's so many ways that Drew does kind of embody those things. So we'll talk about that here to start the show. We'll talk about what the first pass at what the front court might look like next year. We'll have plenty more conversation about that. We'll close out the show talking about Chicago State in the upcoming game on Wednesday. But we'll talk a lot more about Drew and his NBA future, his professional future, what that might look like as we get into the offseason. But for now, let's talk about how Drew is college life. I mean, the man grew funny facial hair. 
continually changed his style, his, his facial hairstyle, his hairstyle, all of that. That's such a college thing to do. Drew Timmy has this swagger around him, this arrogance, this confidence, this brashness. I mean, it reminds me of, maybe I'm going to date myself here, a line from a T.I. song, the swagger of a college kid. That's who Drew Timmy is. That's who Drew Timmy has always been. He has been that brash, arrogant, in-your-face, you're definitely your best friend, but also a guy who really pisses you off kind of guy. He's been that for four years. It's college. (laughs) That's so much of what it is. Drew Timmy podcasts from his apartment. That's like the most college thing I've ever heard of. Drew Timmy podcasts from his apartment and gets made fun of by his mom on his podcast. That is distinctly college. It fits the bill to a T of what you expect from college. Drew Timmy makes friends with everybody. If you watch any game, every single game, he is talking, laughing, joking with somebody next to him on the other team every time. Every single time. He's like a first baseman in the MLB where they just talk to every single person who shows up next to them. Drew is exactly like that. He has always been like that. He picks you apart. He flexes in your face. He does dumb mustache celebrations that I'm sure pisses everybody off. And yet he just talks to you like he's your best friend. I love it. That's college life for you, man. That's what it is. Drew looked happier than I've almost ever seen him. Maybe it was just because he was happy to finally get his 94 feet with Jay Billis, but Drew looked at peace and at home in Tent City. He looked happier than I've seen him in almost any capacity in that place with those students celebrating, partying, living, loving life. Drew Timmy graduating makes me miss college. That's how I feel about this, if we're being perfectly honest, because it feels like he did it the right way. He lived the college experience. He was an authentic college student. We sometimes forget that that's who these people are. We forget that they're college students, even though many of you listening to this went to Gonzaga. I know not all of you did, but many of you did or went to college somewhere. It didn't have to be Gonzaga. You know what the college experience is like, and it's hard to deny that Drew lived it. He really did in every capacity. He did the things that you expect college students to do for better and for worse. And him graduating on time is, is poetic and it's appropriate. And it's also kind of sad because I would have loved to see a victory lap from him. I understand why he's not. Again, I expected this, but it's still a little hard. It's still a little hard to see him moving on in terms of how drew embodies Gonzaga basketball. I think that's more obvious. He's a four-year development story. He's a guy who came in not super heralded. I think he was a borderline top 75 prospect in his recruiting class. Uh, he was lower rated than Anton Watson coming in, uh, which is not a dig at Anton, by the way. Uh, just wasn't a super highly regarded. He wasn't, you know, Chet Holmgren, Jalen Suggs, Hunter Salas, Nolan Hickman, those five-star guys. That's not who he was. Uh, he was a kind of a goofy-looking, tall, uh, talented, swagger-filled player from Texas and he came to Gonzaga and he sat in his first year not a lot he still played 20 minutes a game but he did not start he was behind Philip Petrusev and that's a part of Gonzaga's history Shemek Karnowski didn't start as a freshman you know he became one of the greatest bigs of all time in Gonzaga's history uh, DeMontis Sabonis played a lot more in his second season than in his first season like Zach Collins didn't start at all as a freshman he only played one year but he didn't even start like there are so many stories similar to this Killian Tilly was the fourth big when he got to Gonzaga and then ended up working his way into being a significant contributor for this team. That is a Gonzaga story. The facial hair, the confidence, the celebrations, the mustache, um, the floater celebration. Gonzaga 
being a villain is a Gonzaga story. Let's be honest. It is a Gonzaga story. Adam Morrison is a villain. There have been many other villainous players in Gonzaga's history. Drew Timmy is at the top of that list. He's on the Mount Rushmore of Gonzaga villains. Being an arrogant basketball player from Gonzaga who people who just makes people mad just by being good at basketball purely for that reason people didn't like Drew Timmy they still don't that is a Gonzaga story (laughs) let's be honest it is it absolutely is he played with and played behind some great bigs again another Gonzaga story Uh, and he shut up the haters with his play he just he kept playing well he kept playing well no, no matter what people said, oh, he's not strong enough, he's not fast enough, he can't shoot from beyond the arc, uh, et cetera, et cetera. He's been in college for 40 years, blah, 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 blah. He just kept dominating, and he still is. To this day, he's still dominating. He's going to go out and put up big numbers in hopefully a limited role against Chicago State on Wednesday, and then he's going to go do it again in the WCC tournament. He's going to go do it again in Las Vegas. It felt like to many people, Drew Timmy was in college for way more than four years, and guess what? That's an embodiment of Gonzaga basketball. I remember people shocked, shocked that Kevin Pangos was still in college. He's not the only one. Josh Perkins, people were shocked. Shemek Karnowski, people were shocked that he's still in college. Because when you play well from the time you're a freshman and you have a high usage role for three or four or more seasons, in the case of Shem and, and Perkins, you get this reputation. Oh, you know, these guys playing with Adam Morrison. I love it. I love hearing that stuff because people get so frustrated that somebody's just play. I mean, people, I think people assume right now that Drew Timmy is in his fifth year. They assume he's using his COVID year right now. He is a senior. He is a normal senior. He's just been so good for so long that it's hard for people to fathom that he's only in his fourth year. And again, another embodiment of Gonzaga basketball for Drew Timmy. Well, we're going to have plenty of off-season discussion about Drew's NBA draft profile, where he's going to play professionally, and about Gonzaga's front court in 2023-2024. But here in the second segment, we're going to take a first pass at what we know right now, coming up after a word from today's sponsor, Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, then you've got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year. If you're like me where you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then man, I've got just the thing for you. You've got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they are so delicious for you. You won't think that they're good for you. They're perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club today. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs at your nearest Walmart or Sam's Club today. All right, segment two, still any patents, still locked on Zach. We're still talking a little bit. Drew Timmy's departure his announcement that he is leaving after the rest of this season, four years and done for Drew Timmy at Gonzaga. Uh, we're going to talk about what, what might happen in the 2023-2024 season. What we know for sure is that Drew Timmy's not coming back. In terms of the front court, we also know Rasir Bolton is not coming back, but we'll deal with the backcourt uh, on another day. Uh, the main other question now in terms of the front court is what happened with Anton Watson. Anton Watson and Drew Timmy came in together, same recruiting class. They're both peer seniors this year, but they both 
have the ability to return for another year of eligibility. Drew has said he is not going to do that. Anton, we do not know. I have maintained that I think there's a relatively decent chance Anton Watson returns. And part of that is because of the glow up we have seen from him this year, emerging as a, a bigger offensive threat, as a dynamic. I mean, he's always been a dynamic defensive player, but more minutes has kind of showcased that even more. Uh, we've seen him be much more of a threat offensively. The outside shooting still isn't quite there, although he had a nice three-point shot against St. Mary's recently. But the playmaking, the passing, uh, the, the, the ball handling abilities to put the ball on the deck and get to the rim, all that stuff is there. And as he has been featured more and more, he has kind of showcased more of those skills. It's reasonable to assume that he would get an even bigger share of usage next year were he to stay at Gonzaga. He knows that. He loves Spokane. He's from Spokane. He went to Gonzaga prep. He's wanted to be a Gonzaga Bulldog his entire life. That does not mean that he is going to stay for a fifth year. But you could see how it would make some sense for Anton Watson to come back. I would love it if he did. I have not been remotely shy about my love for Anton Watson on this podcast. And I think he has proven this year that he would be a tremendous asset to have back next season, especially uh, with Drew Timmy leaving. If you lose both of them, you lose a lot of experience in that front court. So the Anton Watson of it all is a question we cannot answer yet, which makes it harder to project what the front court might look like. But in terms of replacing Drew Timmy, at least in the short term, there are a handful of internal options. Obviously, there are external options, which we won't get into too much in this podcast because we just don't know who they are yet. Uh, but that will be obviously a, a significant factor in Gonzaga's quest to fill out their front court for next year will be the transfer portal and who is available there, who wants to come to Gonzaga, who might fit into a, a role. And of course, how much Gonzaga needs to replenish, depending on what happens with Watson or if there are other transfers that could happen as well. It's, it's the era where, where you got to recruit your entire roster again. So, so things could change certainly for Gonzaga in terms of internal options. The most obvious option in terms of replacing drew specifically as Efton Reed. And we'll get to Ben Gregg momentarily. He's the, the likely benefactor for minutes in general, um, but his role next year is defined a little bit more by what happens with Watson. For Efton Reed, he hasn't played a ton this year. He has shown flashes. He has also shown flashes of why he hasn't played a ton this year. Some decision-making abilities aren't quite there yet. I think he struggled to acclimate to the offense a little bit, figure out what his role would be, took some shots he shouldn't take, tried to make some passes that weren't really there. So there's some stuff to do, but that's he's really young. He's, a, he's, he's not a freshman, but he's a sophomore in his first year in this offense, trying to figure out how to acclimate alongside Drew Timmy. I just don't think the fit between those two guys was, was frankly all that good. The fit between Efton Reed and Ben Gregg is significantly better. That's exciting for the future because those two guys are probably going to play a lot of minutes together. I think Efton Reed has showed that the skill sets he can bring to this team on offense and defense are fairly different than Drew's in a lot of ways. And I don't, and I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Reed can operate in the mid post. Drew can do that as well, but Drew's mid-range game, he, he's utilized it more this year and it's definitely there, but he's more effective right around the rim. Efton Reed is effective around the rim as well, but he can also hit like a 12, 14, 15 foot jump shot. We've seen him extend out to the three-point line. It hasn't been there. I'm curious if that will show up for him. He was kind of lauded as a, as a big stretch five, big man who can shoot the three coming out of high school. He shot 25% from three in Will Wade's offense at LSU. Hasn't shot well here, but maybe it does show up. It might not. Anton Watson was also lauded as a three-point shooter coming out of college or out of high school, excuse me, and it, it never really showed up. So it's possible that that doesn't happen. 
For Reed, even the ability to stretch it out to 15, 16 feet, though, that's a nice benefit for the Zags. I think he can operate there. I think he can become a more dynamic, effective, low post score. Going up against Drew Timmy every day in practice is sure as heck going to help. You get better at understanding your footwork and understanding how to get angles, how to get positioning, how to get underneath guys and, and finish through contact. And I think we're going to see a, an improved Efton Reed in that regard. Um, but, you know, we haven't seen it yet. We just haven't seen it yet. Defensively, he's a, he's a different player than Drew Timmy as well. Efton Reed's very good at hedging screens and playing defense away from the rim. Part of that is because that's what he was asked to do for LSU as a freshman. They had Tari Eason on that team, although Tari Eason is a now multi-position defender in the NBA. You can guard like two through five. For some reason, the LSU team had Tari Eason basically playing a rim protector role, which kept Efton Reed out hedging screens and playing away from the rim. His skill set in that area is important for Gonzaga because we've seen them get gashed pretty significantly by pick and rolls this year. However, Efton Reed is not really a rim protector yet. I think he's capable of being it. He's seven feet tall. He's 240 pounds. He's getting better at using his body and using his size. And we've seen so many Gonzaga bigs really struggle early in their career. Shemek Karnowski was just a foul machine when he was a freshman, and even when he was a sophomore, by the end of it, he was never an elite rim protector necessarily, or I guess I should say he was never an elite shot blocker, but he was an adequate rim protector because he learned how to use his size and avoid committing fouls and forcing guys to miss shots. I think Reed could become that. I think he could become a better rim protector as well too, but I certainly think at the very least he could become a good, uh, I, I should say shot blocker. He could become a good rim protector in time just because of his size and his utilization of his body. So I think that those are the big questions for Efton Reed. Is he going to be a fully polished product next season? No, probably not. Uh, is he going to benefit from a, a bigger role next year? Absolutely. Is he going to benefit from Drew Timmy being gone? 100%. I think we could see him in a high usage role maybe as soon as next year, if not uh, the, certainly the year after that when he's a senior. And I think we're going to see a guy who, who's much improved and can really do a lot of beneficial things for this program. Ben Gregg is next. Um, again, Ben's more likely a replacement for Watson. He kind of plays more of a four role. He's a stretch four. He's an outside shooter. He's a tenacious offensive rebounder. Uh, we've seen him get better at putting the ball on the deck, going to the rim. Uh, that is a fantastic skill set for him to have kind of uh, adapted. Uh, I think the fact that he's he can score from beyond the arc, he can put the ball on the deck and get to the rim. Uh, he can get to the free throw line. He can score around the rim. I mean, we're talking about a, a three-level scorer as your backup power forward. That's fantastic. I love Ben Gregg. I love what he's bringing to this team. I think he's going to be a significant offensive contributor to this team next year, regardless of what happens with Anton Watson. I think it's very possible that if Anton Watson does stay, that he becomes the five and that Ben Gregg becomes the starting four. Again, there are external options that could change this. If they could find a high-level starting center on the transfer portal, that player may start at the five. If Watson comes back, he starts at the four. Ben Gregg still comes off the bench. That's a possibility, but I think that Right now, Ben is in the driver's seat for a starting job next year. Certainly if Drew and Anton leave, then there's no doubt in my mind. I think if that happens, they'll find a transfer center. He'll start at center. Ben will start at the four. Reed will be that third big coming off the bench. So Ben's playing time is a little bit more dictated by what happens with Watson. But regardless, he's the guy who's going to get the ball in his hands a lot more next year because of Drew's departure. The next couple options are you know deep on the bench guys that we're not really sure what we're going to see out of them. One of them is, of course, Caden Perry. Caden Perry... I'm not sure what we're going to get out of him. He hasn't played this year. He played very little last year. I think he only played eight games. Uh, he's got serious back injuries. He had some ankle injuries, and I'm not sure if he's healthy enough to play basketball. Right now, my assumption is that he is not. He's obviously redshirting this year. That makes sense. But it's unclear if he's going to be a guy who 
can give Gonzaga minutes at all. If he is healthy next year, I would be pretty surprised if he was in the rotation. I'd be shocked if he was in the rotation. I'd be fairly surprised if he was playing much at all. I think there's a chance that he could compete for fourth big minutes, depending on how the rest of the offseason shakes out. You know, a high energy guy, a good rebounder who looked very, very raw when we first got our hands on him as a freshman last or the year before or last year. But it's hard to know. Back injuries are really devastating. There's a chance that that he doesn't get back to being the player that that he was when Gonzaga first recruited him, and that that's a bummer. Hopefully, that's not the case. But uh, you know, it's hard it's hard to not think that that's a possibility considering what we've seen from from Perry so far. Next up is Braden Huff. Braden Huff, freshman on this team right now, uh, out of Chicago, Mister Illinois in the state of Illinois as a uh, high school basketball player. Same place, uh, same area as Zach Zach Norvell, Jeremy Pargo. Uh, redshirted this year, presumably. Uh, he has not played a single second of the game so far. Um, Zach's got a lot of strong development behind the scenes. It's not like we haven't seen this before. So, But it's hard to know. We, we don't see that happening. Some guys explode in their first year of eligibility after redshirting for a year. Some guys, it's a three-year process. With Braden Huff, I don't know. And you know what? Mark Few probably doesn't know. They don't know yet. That's exactly what they have here. He's going against Drew Timmy every day in practice. He's going up against Ben Gregg, Efton Reed, Anton Watson, all those guys. Uh, presumably he's soaking everything up like a sponge, getting better, learning his, his, his skills, his outside shooting ability, his ability to put the ball on the deck, all that stuff defensively. I'm, I have no idea where he is right now, quite honestly. Uh, I would expect a small role from him if we get a role from him at all next year, but I wouldn't be shocked if he competes for fourth big minutes alongside Caden Perry, assuming they are both healthy going into next season. And then finally, again, I said we're not going to talk about external options because there are going to be a whole bunch of them, but I'm not going to speculate on who those might be right now. Just know that Gonzaga is probably going to scour the transfer market pretty aggressively for bigs next year. But the other two options are incoming freshmen, uh, Jung Suk Yo, uh, the Korean player, and Alex Tui, uh, the Australian player, both coming in. Yo is obviously with the team right now. Um, both of them are more like threes. They're not really fours, but I think they could play small ball four. I think that's something we could potentially see from Gonzaga next year, especially if Julian Strother is also out the door, which is something I am projecting. So keep an eye on those two guys. I think their minutes are more likely to come at the three. I'm also not sure we're going to see a ton from them as true freshmen next year, but they are guys who could, they're both about six, seven, six, eight. They could easily step into small ball four roles uh, if Mark Few chooses to do so next season. All right, folks, we are closing out the show discussing what I'm hoping to see from the Zags against Chicago State on Wednesday. We're not going to get into a big thing discussing who Chicago State is. They are not a good team. This is a tune-up game 100%. We're going to talk about what that looks like right after this. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zags, moving away from celebrating, honoring, loving, respecting Drew Timmy to talk about Gonzaga's game on Wednesday against Chicago State. The Zags scheduled this game purely to be a tune-up before the WCC tournament. They knew, looking at their calendar, that they were going to get a one or a two seed in the WCC tournament and that they were not going to play until Monday. They did not want to take 10 days off before playing a tough game on Monday in the WCC semifinals. So they scheduled this game against Chicago State on Wednesday. I love it. I'm happy they did it. I think it was the right decision. Now let's see how Mark Few utilizes this game. I think the op- an immediate assumption people make is that the starters will play very little or not at all or whatever. They're going to need to play some because you want it to be an actual tune-up game for these guys. And if they don't play at all, it's kind of pointless. Uh, but yes, I think we'll see a lot less of them. Here are the five things that I kind of just want to see out of this game. Number one, I would love to see Gonzaga put that press back on. They don't need to do it to win, but I think they're going to need 
that one, two, two press in the bag in the NCAA tournament. And it worked against St. Mary's for a myriad of reasons. One, the element of surprise Two, the fact that St. Mary's didn't attempt to beat the press by scoring quickly, which is what most teams do. St. Mary's doesn't like to do that. And so for Gonzaga, there's no reason to stop pressing if all they're doing when they beat the press is just setting up their offense. You might as well just keep pressing. And I think, I mean, Chicago State doesn't really have the, they're, they're certainly not as talented as any NCAA tournament teams, but if they attempt to break the press that way and do, if it's not that difficult for them to break that press, that's something Mark Few should probably know <laughs> heading into the WCC tournament. Like, oh, St. Mary's, you know, maybe there were some external factors there that caused them to struggle against it, but but if they put this press on and they put the screws to Chicago State and they can't beat it, again, that doesn't necessarily mean, oh, well, Chicago State couldn't beat it, so we'll be fine doing this against Kansas. Like, <laughs> that's not necessarily what I'm getting at, but you'd, you'd like to see what it looks like against a non-St. Mary's team. And I think this is a good opportunity to get it out there, see how it works, make some tweaks, make some adjustments, and, and have it as crisp and ready to go if you need it uh, out of your bag when you get into the big dance. Uh, get some actions for Rasir Bolton and Julian Strother. I think that's a big key here as well. Drew's going to get his, and they're probably going to try to get him to get as many points as possible because they want him to break that record or at least be in a position to break that record in, in Vegas. But what you need, and Drew's going to be fine. Drew, Drew knows how to play basketball against the best of the best and the worst of the worst. I'm not saying Rasir Bolton and Julian Strother don't, but I would love to see Gonzaga find ways to get them actions, get them coming off ball screens and going downhill towards the rim, get stuff going for them where they're coming off screens, taking threes, getting actions, because they are going to be really, really needed in the NCAA tournament. We have talked about this so much on this podcast this year that a secondary scorer, a third scorer is what Gonzaga needs to make a deep run. Drew Timmy cannot do it all. Julian Strother, Rasir Bolton need to be those guys and getting them confidence heading into Vegas, getting them some open looks, some, some offense designed for them to get good looks is going to help their confidence. It's going to help Gonzaga find ways to, you know, get somebody else going if they, if they need that to happen. So again, Chicago state, not an elite defensive team, not a team that's going to give them a ton of issues, but running those plays, getting those actions, having them get a feel for what that feels like in a game situation, really helpful. I think. Next up, plenty of minutes for the rest of Gonzaga's rotation, namely Ben Gregg, Hunter Salas, and Malachi Smith. These guys are going to be really, really needed in March. Every single one of them. All three of these guys are critical to what Gonzaga needs to do in March. Ben Gregg, those energy minutes off the bench, uh, spelling Drew Timmy, spelling Anton Watson, stretching the defense, grabbing offensive rebounds, diving after loose balls. All of that stuff is going to be critical, whether it's a five-minute spurt uh, in, in a first or second round game, whether it's 12 or 15 minutes in a later game because of foul trouble. Like He's going to need to be uh, ready to go and getting him some minutes here and some just more experience, more of anything, just kind of getting him fresher and ready to roll. Uh, Hunter Salas, his high-level defense, his tenacity, uh, his ability to trap, uh, we've seen him grow and develop significantly as an offensive contributor as well. He's going to be needed. Some games, not as much as others. And I know that that's hard for him, and I know that that's frustrating because his playing time has been a little bit sporadic this year at times, but he is a very, very necessary part of what this team is doing. If this team makes a run past the Elite Eight or the Final Four, I almost guarantee you Hunter Salas will have played well during that stretch leading up to that game. And then Malachi Smith has been fantastic this season. High-level scorer off the bench, microwave scorer, uh, good floater, really good at getting into getting into the lane, getting his shots up, good three-point shooter, good on-ball defensive player. Uh, really, really necessary part of what this team is trying to do in March as well. And then some small ball lineups. 
I kind of think we might want these in the bag in March. Let's run a lineup with Anton Watson at the five, Julian Strother at the four. Why not, right? We didn't see a ton of that this year. It was kind of promised to us that we would see more of them uh, at the beginning of the season. Mark Few kind of talked about playing Strother in that Corey Kispert role. We just never really saw it in part because of the massive emergence of Anton Watson, the emergence of Ben Gregg, and just the reliance on Drew Timmy. Those three guys needed to play minutes. That didn't create a lot of situations for Julian Strother to play a ton of minutes at the four. But I think it might be really valuable to have that lineup kind of honed in, tuned up as it may, as it is. So playing that lineup against Chicago state, again, you can, you, Drew Timmy's not going to play 30 minutes, 30 plus minutes in this game. I don't think maybe play him 27, 28, something like that. So when he's not in the floor, yeah, you want Ben out there. You want Reed out there. If he's healthy, I'm not sure if he's going to play in this game or not, but you also, I think having a lineup with Strother and Watson playing the five and the four makes some sense. And getting that experience, that familiarity, figuring out what kind of stuff can we run out of this offense that might work in March. And then finally, you got to celebrate Drew Timmy. You also got to celebrate Anton Watson. You got to celebrate uh, Rasir Bolton. You got to celebrate Malachi Smith. Uh, two of those three guys could, in theory, come back in Malachi Smith and Anton Watson. But this is Drew's night. It really is. With no, no disrespect to Rasir Bolton whatsoever. Both of those guys are fantastic. Both of those guys deserve to have flowers and be, you know, celebrated for senior night the way that they are. But this has been Drew's team for four years. And knowing that he's going to be gone now, it should be a big party for Drew. That's what it needs to be. Big old party for Drew Timmy. That's what he wants. That's what we want. That's what everybody wants. Um, he should be celebrated for being the absolute icon in Gonzaga basketball history that he is. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Don't forget to check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Myself, Isaac Shade of Locked On Tar Heels, breaking down the biggest stories in college hoops five times per week. Also, check out Locked On Zags on YouTube if you haven't done so yet. Go hit that subscribe button, leave a comment, leave a review on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter, Andy Patton, CBB, all sorts of fantastic stuff. We are one day away from the best month of the year in March, so I appreciate all of your support, all of your patronage, all of your comments, questions, concerns. All of that very, very much appreciated. All right. Thank you all for listening and go Zags.